Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to explore all of our previous episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast using whatever your favorite app or service is by visiting anchor.fm forward slash irish dash tech dash news. Hi, welcome to today's Irish News Podcast. Today I'm talking with Phil Chair, an entrepreneur who's based in Cork. How are you doing, Phil? I'm very well. How's things for yourself? All good? Yeah, all good, thank you. Now, before we start, tell us a bit about your background, because now you've, you've had a wide and varied journey in the tech industry and other areas as well. Yeah, I've done all sorts of bits and pieces. I've been having great fun. I, I started, actually, back in 2006, I started my first company, which was a ski chalet business, of all things. That's where I originally started. And I started by, actually, hands-on, out there, all cooking, all cleaning, doing everything, running ski holidays. And then kind of business grew from there. Uh, I moved from hands-on running my own business to kind of partnering with other businesses, kind of shifted slightly more into kind of the investor area and then started another company and then the kind of the normal entrepreneurial journey, started another business, another business and off it went from there. So kind of today I'm involved in all sorts of things, quite a lot of different travel companies. I've got a, a drone business that's great fun doing engineering, engineering inspections with a lot called engineers with drones, one of those. And then the latest venture is into solar panels, which is the new one we're pushing on with Pure Vault. And that is a uh, yeah, great fun, busy, all go, but yeah, or an interesting journey. Yeah, and about, I know you mentioned drones. One of my colleagues, Simon Cocking, is got a drone license, and he, he lives in Cape Clear off Cork, and where he lives, he's got basically open skies to pilot his drone, which is great. Oh, that's a, that's a magic place out Cape Clear. I've been yeah. there a few times myself. In fact, I took a drone out there once. Stunning scenery. It's the uh, it's idyllic for idyllic for playing with drones. Amazing, amazing landscapes there, all right? Yeah, so he, he says but where he is, it's great, because he don't wear, like where I am in Dublin right now, it's hard for me to fly drone because we've got no fly zones more or less and it's in a big a big city and all that. It's hard to do, but where you are and where he is, it's great. Yeah, it's, it, as you said, yeah, it's controlled airspace and it's interesting when we start looking at it for work, actually. it's uh, uh, The regulations are perhaps a lot more than your average person on the street thinks and to be able to fly in city centres, fly near people, fly near roads is very, very very, very controlled, like I suppose our, um, some of our big drones have parachutes on them, yeah. for example. You have to have a plan B. You're not allowed to fly a drone uh, in certain areas that doesn't have a plan B in case something fails. Yeah. So we have parachutes attached and a special button we can press is the problem. Beep, up yeah. that fire. So it's interesting, all right? Now getting back to Pure Volt, what does Pure Volt actually do? So that's new solar panel business. I was getting... Uh, as many entrepreneurs do after a while, I suppose you get you, you get itchy feet. I've been uh, quite a lot of different businesses I'm involved in, but they're all quite stable, running along. And one kind of big interest for myself has been the move towards green technology. And I was humming and ahhing as to which kind of direction to go. And solar just, just, just kept coming back to me as the one I was most interested in, the one that really ticks all the boxes. So, uh, yeah, um, star finally started a solar panel installation company. So we work at the moment, uh, it's mostly with domestics we're doing, yeah. and then we do a little bit of commercial, a bit of agri, things like this. So it's all, it's the PV panels installing the electric solar panels on people's roofs. That's it. And yet, so far, touch wood, so, so good. It's, um, it's been a very interesting journey, very different to other businesses I've started before. Very, very, very different times. It's been a very good, very interesting way, but I suppose as an entrepreneur, it's nice to have that 
challenge yeah. if you know what I mean you, you kind of you do feel that like you almost want to challenge yourself and say okay have I gotten you know fat and lazy because I've been running stable businesses for a while do I still have it to be able to go right back to the coal front and start again from nothing from yeah. just an idea you know so I really really enjoyed that challenge because I guess like from an early age when you were started doing challenge business what you do now every area you've gone into has been different than what you were in before so it was always a new challenge which in my view makes a great entrepreneur they're able to go into a different area completely in the dark and just suddenly take off that's that's the interesting challenge really uh, i have to say it's just jumping into a field that's that's new and you don't know what's going to be there and it's the uh, it's always the temptation as an entrepreneur is you know if you gave me free reign as they say i would i would chase every single rabbit in the field if i, if I was allowed and the challenge sometimes is reining yourself in so no, 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 let's not do every idea that pops into the head let's try and have some form of uh, self-control um, but i've really enjoyed yeah, being able to flick from industry to industry that your fundamental kind of business entrepreneurship skills are universal they apply to everything but when you shift industry to industry because let's say go back to the start i started with one ski chalet company and then there's a second ski chalet company and then i had a meal delivery business but it was in the french alps it's kind of connected so you kind of know how these industries work and it becomes a lot more copy and paste when you start doing a new one and then you start jumping industries and that's interesting because your fundamental kind of entrepreneur business skills are the same and you can bring a lot of lessons with you there but you don't really quite know what's coming in a good example with the solar with pure vault i found fascinating this time around a normal business from starting a normal company um the pure vault one was almost entirely backwards in its difficulties and eases so normally from starting a new company the easiest thing is finding the products you're going to sell there if you decide you want to start a corner shop the easiest thing is going to cash and carry and buying you know, bananas and cans of Coke and newspapers and whatever else you want to sell from your corner shop. That's very easy to get hold of. Getting staff is difficult, but it's doable. That's no problem. Yeah. And then it's marketing, it's customers, it's getting people to come to your shop rather than the other corner shop. That's the hard part of it. But the same on the solar panel company, it was entirely the other way around. There's such demand, there's such interest out there that the phone almost just makes itself ring. There's huge demand. So actually getting customers was the easiest part. And getting staff and getting products to sell is really the real difficult fundamental challenge getting going. So it's interesting when you jump industries how you've got to really, really, I suppose, suppose adapt. Uh, thankfully, the supply chain is kind of normalizing a bit now. But if you go back three months, four months, five months, you could really feel how the world supply chains are all over the place. And in, in solar, you need a lot of different things. Yes, you need your panels, you need your inverters, you need your wiring, you need your, your roof hooks and the, the racks that go on. Yeah. There's all sorts of different components. And what you would find is just one little unit will be out of stock in the whole country. Yeah. And nobody, you couldn't, the whole machine will be held up if you were just missing one little piece. And staff are entertaining, like getting kind of tradespeople, getting electricians, things like this. Real challenge, real challenge to get them on board. It would almost feel like it was the other way around. Like they were coming to interview us to decide if they wanted to work yeah. for us. You know what I mean? The, the power balance, I suppose, in an interviewee, interviewer, we were completely off. It was, it was our job to pitch to electricians to say, this is why you should want to come and work for us. And they would sit there as adjudicator and decide if they wished to come and work for our company. You know, so it was really, really interesting, really different how I suppose as an entrepreneur, You've got to be very adaptive to how, as you jump industry to industry, situation to situation, you can't just follow the old patterns, you know, you've got yeah. to see what works and adapt quickly. We mentioned earlier about basically not, not getting one part available, and that's top. It's like basically when you buy a flat pack furniture and you're building it, and then you realise one thing's missing. Yeah, 
It's exactly like that. There's just one little end cap, one little screw, one little hook, and the whole thing, the whole machine can't move because of this one this one little piece. It was a real interesting, a real interesting challenge to do a lot of juggling to make sure we had the stock, to make sure we had the component. Because if you go back beforehand, then it was almost just like, I suppose, a traditional builder's merchant. You have, you know, solar versions of those. But, you know, if you are a builder, you go to the builder's merchant and you can always buy the bits you need. You turn up, you buy it, you go, you do your job. It's kind of a given that when you need things, you rock into the builder's merchant, they have it and you buy it. Whereas here, you would turn up and they'd be like, we don't have that. When are you getting it in? Oh, I know, it's on a container somewhere. It'll turn up at some point. And you're like, oh, right, right, right. You, you have to adjust quickly. You then realize that your container is on that ship that was stuck in the Suez Canal. <laughs> well, that's, so that's what you start thinking yeah. about. It, it really is. It really is. I had some other companies at the time that were uh, doing some importing during that yeah. time when that Ever Given was stuck in the Suez Canal. It was really interesting to see how these stories you hear about on the news, you actually see them in your day-to-day work life. You're like, ah, I'm watching that ship on the news, and I'm actually currently missing a container. And, you know, the guys say it's sitting behind that ship on one of those other ships that are just waiting and will appear when it appears, you know? Well, at least not in a scenario where you do something and you realise I've got two things left spare over. What, where do they <laughs> that go? That would be the worst, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. You've got two left in the pack, and you're like, I'm sure they weren't important, yeah, but we could have needed those. And then you put them, you think, nah, ne- next thing you know, a while later... Darling, something's on fire here. What are you? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, thankfully not. Thankfully not. That must be interesting. To, I, I guarantee you, you've come in at the right time because right now we're facing a power crisis. And um, if you can c- cut down yeah. people's bills, that's something. Yeah, it's, it's very, very interesting. It's where such strong demand is coming from at the moment. There's a lot of kind of driving factors. There's a, there's a lot more climate awareness. There's a lot more price issues as well for you know your, your, your everyday person the the, the 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 rate of increase of gas and electricity bills is, is mind-blowing at the moment you know i was listening to the news just a day or two ago talking about one company that's putting their prices up i think it was by 39 percent in the yeah. one step like these are numbers that are just just unheard of so it really focuses people's minds saying right what else can be done if you take solar if you take solar like over the lifespan of solar at the moment you might be able to make your own electricity for six, seven, eight cents a unit, something yeah. like that in Ireland. That that's actually what it costs. And if you compare that to what you can currently, you know, purchase electricity from from the national grid, like the the, the, the difference is is just ginormous. You know, over the years I suppose the price of solar has been coming steadily down and down and down and down. And now we've got this scenario where the price of energy it's always been on an upward trend, but it's suddenly curved up so hard, so fast, that you get this huge demand. But um talked earlier on about the supply chains being out, but there is, there's a lot more competition to even buy components, and that's interesting. You know, when we're, when we're looking, we're seeing where kit is going. You get places like Italy and Germany, yeah, are, uh, at state level, seeing all this like, coming, and just buying up so much solar kit, you know, so trying to get it in can still even now be a challenge, you know, because we are, we in Ireland are by no means the only country that's suddenly gone, aha, this is the way forwards. And, you know, the end manufacturers are struggling to ramp up to keep up with the demand. So it'll be, it'll be a very interesting world, I have to say, in a couple of years to look back and see where it's gone. Because at the moment, it seems like the, you know, the, 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 the appetite is almost limitless, which is, you know, from my own kind of eco-warrior point of view is, is great, 
to see, you know, it was one of the fundamental reasons I wanted to get involved in solar and start PureVolt, was you know, whether people buy panels off us or off someone else is kind of secondary. If there's stuff I can do to help promote the industry and to get more panels on more roofs in Ireland, then I'm a then I'm a very happy man, you know. So you're not thinking like Joe Rogan, where maybe especially where companies who provide power are buying up these parts so that you can't get solar panels. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's me just thinking outside the box, but I think basically what you're saying is going to be great, and I presume also you can get government grants to help you with this as well. Yeah, they're very good actually. To be fair to them, through the SAAI, like you're talking about for most people's installations, it's two thousand four hundred euros that you'll get from the government towards the solar panels on your your house, which makes a which makes a big difference. Like if you had a um, a standard three bed house, something like that, you know, uh, the the original cost might be I don't know eight eight and a half thousand euros something like that. that's the total price yeah. so if you take off 2,400 you know the government's paying what 35 maybe even 40 percent of the cost of your solar panels depending how big your your installation is so it's a very it's a very generous generous offer I have to say it's, it's, a, it's a good system and I tip my hat to the SAI it's a very good system they've done and it, it's a real real it's a real good help yeah and the other the other big thing that they've brought in the government as well and again in making a very very big difference is um this new legislation, so all the utility companies have to pay you for the electricity you push back to the grid. Because yeah. it's kind of one of those almost unknown things that people don't necessarily realize, that when you get solar panels installed, you won't manage to use all the electricity. You know, uh, Solar panels are quite biased on the seasons. You know, The summer produces an awful lot more power than the winter. And on a big sunny summer's day, it's very unlikely you'll use all that electricity you're generating. And it all gets all the overflow gets pushed out to the grid which is great for Ireland in terms of our own green credentials. You know, if you can't use the electricity, it's great. Someone else can yeah. use carbon-free electricity. It's a really, really good thing. But up until now, you've been given that electricity away for free, uh, which hasn't always sat well with people. So the government brought in legislation so that the utility companies have to start paying you now. And the rates, the rates are all, they're not all released yet, but kind of anything between 13 cents a unit up to about 20 cents a unit. The different companies get to pick their own rates. But that's what it's coming at. And that's that's made a huge difference. You know, it might take two years off the payback period for solar. You know, you you're, you're, you might be kind of 30% better off just from that one piece of legislation the government's rolled out. So that's another big thing now. So now you're getting below that, that magic psychological limit of five years. Some people will have got all their costs back in less than five years now, which is which is a magic place to be, and it's another big driver for the enthusiasm of solar. You know, for me, I live in an apartment block. So for, if you're in an apartment, how could solar panels work there if they can work there? They really can't unless you've got it. I mean, it depends on the arrangement of, you know, how the building is, is owned. But as always, the challenge is you've got lots of different people with just one roof, if you see what I mean. So how do you, how do you share it? Who pays for it? So it does. It does happen, but it's certainly a lot more difficult. What you'll find with these rolling out is it's really the whole industry. And to be fair, the grants and everything are very much focused on the individual standalone homes. But terrace houses are absolutely fine, uh, as are semi-detached and individuals. That's really where most of the government focus is. And there's one thing I have noted myself is that there is a bit of a almost, I suppose, a hole in the strategy for people like yourself who do live in apartments and it, it's the same with things like EV charges and stuff like that 
there's been this big drive on individual houses because it all works very well. It's very straightforward. But what would what I would love to see is more focus on the city centre living that we talk about. Uh, you hear a lot on the news about the want for urban renewal, especially in kind of slightly more rural towns. That some yeah. of the rural town centres are being emptied, and that you know we're trying to bring people back in to reinvigorate uh, the high street to reinvigorate rural towns. And it's one of one I think is almost like a missing piece of the jigsaw. Is right. How can we bring the eco side there? How can we bring EV charging? How can we bring solar? Things like this, because it doesn't necessarily match perfectly in, uh, in things like apartment living. Because yeah, to me, where I live, there's I'm in a, in, a, in, a, in a complex where there's three different buildings and they've all got roofs. And I'm thinking, if you could put some pounds on each of the roofs, that that'll be something. But I'm not sure if the cost of that is worth it or not, because it might cost a lot of money. Generally, no, like it's the value is there. The challenge is kind of the ownership, whose roof it is, who pays for it, and things like you know things like this, and who whose electricity kind of can it plug into the wiring and all this type of stuff. So there's a little bit more, a little bit more juggling, if you see what I mean, on that side. But in terms of finances, be it apartment, be it house, to be honest, the um, the numbers when you compare it to the you know the price of electricity bills. It's stacked. It's very hard to argue against the value of it, you know. Yeah. As I say, it just depends on you know whether it's a, a, a community that own you know whether it's a communal system that own the roof or how that works, and that really can be the thing that holds up. Is if you have a kind of a collective one, then getting the agreement to to make it happen, you know. Well, look at where, where I am. Basically, the building itself, uh, Magic Company, takes care of maintaining stuff, including the roof. So I presume that we'll be able to put uh, panels on there. I'm just thinking. Uh, the cost of that, and would it be able to power every single, like ninety apartments in, in in the three blocks, and would the, would they all be able to be powered by that or not? That's something. I'm no, you, you just, you'd just be making a contribution, and that's the same actually. To be honest with, with, with you, know, with all houses, like me myself, I've got solar panels on my own house. Um, now, admittedly, I've got a east east west facing roof, yeah. which is which isn't ideal. You know, obviously, south will produce the most power. Now, when you get round to east or west, you're about 20, 22% down in production compared to the perfect yeah. south. Something like that. Like, southeast, southwest, they're, they're great to be honest. You might only be about 5% down in production compared to great south. Whereas for all my panels are on my east facing, east facing roofs, it's maybe 22% down. But even on that, it produces about half the electricity we use over the year. Something like that, roughly. So I'm, I've been very happy with that considering, you know, we've got, um, we're relatively electricity hungry in the fact we've got an electric shower, electric oven, electric car as well. Uh, so, yeah, no, it is significant, but you'll never get solar realistically to produce every single one you use, especially because in winter, solar's production is good when you look at it on totals over the year. But in the summer, it'll be producing loads and very likely more than you'll need. But equally in winter, you know, if you go to the dark, grey, rainy days yeah. in mid-December, they will still be producing, but it'll just be ticking along. You'll need to be pulling in the majority from the grid, you know? Yeah, because to me, I'm thinking, you know, I was thinking, great, if we can cut our bills in half all year round, that'd be great. But obviously, that's not a pansy for me, where I live. No, no, it won't, it won't be even, if you see what yeah. I mean. It won't be even. You'll suddenly find that, you know, you're getting free power the whole time in the summer. But yeah, so, you know, the summer... Very, very cheap, but the winter you're still needing to pull in because, say, the, the the ups and downs over the year. And then, uh, and then you can say, well, in the long term, it's not point just in doing that. Whereas if you're in a house, it's it's different because it's it's there's more chance you're going to make a saving over the whole year. There is well, really, with with a with a house, you know, you've got more more roof 
per person. You know, if you get a tall apartment block, yeah. you've got less roof per apartment. Yeah. Really, you're just kind of lacking the area. Uh, but on houses, you've got plenty. Not not all houses, admittedly. It's something we have to be careful of when we're you know we go and check all the houses before you kind of make final plans with them. You've got to check for shading, for directions, things like this. Shading can be a can be an issue, not just. You get overhanging trees and things like this, but also even just things like big chimneys. Sometimes you get these giant big chimney breasts and they can cast big shadows. You get issues and stuff like that. But all of that said, uh, there's a lot, you know, a lot of houses in Ireland do, do, do suit very well. And as the years go by, the, the efficiency yeah. of the solar panels is, it's a wonderful graph actually when you compare the cost per unit production because the actual cost of the panels is coming down and their efficiency is going up to the cost per unit electricity coming down mind-blowing like yeah I mean, I th- i'm trying to remember the stat now i think it's in the past 10 years it's lost three quarters of the price that, that, that that's how much it's come down you know it, it's unbelievable how it's yeah 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 now cost 25 percent you know but for the panels that says they cost 25 percent per unit production compared to just 10 years ago you know so with the, with that trajectory it's, uh, it's definitely going the right way for the world, you know? Yeah, I think economies of scale, as, as more things are built, cheaper it, it becomes. Yes, there's that, and the technology is steadily improving. Yeah. Like, um, panels, I put my panels on my roof in 2019, so what, three years ago? Yeah. And the panels these days might be kind of 14, 15% more, more efficient than, than then just those few years ago, yeah. you know? So it is... It is significant that rate, of, you know, it is significant rate of change in power output as well as, but you, you are right, the main driver is just the, the scale and volume of production, everything. I mean, uh, you know, we and on the news, we all talk a lot about the domestic side, but there's the industrial side as well. Like the, the amount of planning permission applications that are going in Ireland for industrial solar farms, yeah. they're everywhere. We do quite a bit of work for them on the... Uh, I mentioned the drone business, engineers with drones that we, we do and we're doing kind of work for them, you know, surveying, surveying land and also surveying, um, surveying panels. It's interesting. You can use like infrared cameras over solar panels and you can see if there's damage or if there's issues from the, from the heat signature. It's very, very interesting technology on that. So because we're in that, we, we hear of a lot of the planning applications. It really is quite, quite something when you start actually kind of mapping out Ireland and saying, yeah, because to you or me driving around Ireland, like, oh, I've, never, I've never seen a solar farm. But when you actually start mapping out where they're building them, they're everywhere. So it's yeah. going to be quite a, it's going to be quite a feature of both, you know, uh, industrial solar farms. There's a lot of new schemes coming out for good financing for things like farms and community centers as well to get basically very, very good value, very easy to get loans to, to, to finance putting that kind of, you know, small industrial scale farm, as I say, farmers' roofs, community centres, anything, anything like that, big office buildings, this type of stuff, to fill those roofs with solar panels and then all the way down to domestic. So the, the scale at which this this machine is being rolled out, you know, is, is great to see, as I say, as someone who's very interested in the, you know, in, in kind of eco-cause, at all different levels, it's really, really rolling out. And uh, for, for you and me, as how you know, for, for you know, your average individual, it means those economies of scale are just bringing bringing the value to everyone, which is again great to see. To me, it's like Tesla when they built the first electric car; it was, it was a roadster, and then suddenly, what they're building now—they're building the, one of the world's biggest car factories. They're worth more than Toyota and everything, and all because economy of scale made them to be able to build these cars at a price that is affordable, to some extent. Yes. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. And we see the whole system is everything from the the manufacture of the panels and inverters and all this type of stuff, all the way through to the to the shipping, to the distribution, to everything. It's it's no longer niche. It's now mainstream. And also for the end for the end consumer, there's a wide range of choice. Uh, I think we when we formed Pure Vault, we were the I think it was 174th solar providing company to have registered in Ireland. Now, admittedly, they're not all still trading. Some have closed up and done other things, but it shows the scale of the industry. It shows the scale of the choice that's out there for consumers. And that's great because that, you know, forces us to be on our toes. You know, you've got to have your customer service good and your price has to be competitive because there's other choices for people if we're, if we're not, you know. So you see really rolling into complete mainstream and all those benefits that it gives. Yeah, because to me, I remember when Tesla introduced various parts, and suddenly after what they're doing, all them people like uh, like Hyundai, Kia, and Volkswagen, and other companies are now doing electric cars as well. So it's now become more or less a sign of thing. You got to have electric car in, in model in, in your range of cars. I find that fascinating. Yeah, as I say, I've um, an EV myself, the, the Hyundai Kona, and I find it very interesting looking at that. That if you look at car ads on the telly, it's pretty rare these days to see a car ad for a petrol or diesel car it's all electric yeah. all the brands it's all it's all they push you know, they're obviously still making um, your petrol and diesel cars are still a lot more of those are made than, than electric but when you look at their advertising you look at what they're investing in you really feel like that's their future that's their big lean there isn't a there doesn't seem to be a car brand out there that isn't marketing their electric cars really heavily at the moment again which is which is great to see because me, I'm looking at, for example, the biggest thing I see right now for like, certain brands is hybrids. They're a, a, a picture of, of uh, a combustion engine and electric. And they're just edging that way at the moment. Until, we've, until we're able to fully go electric, I have charging points all, all, all over the place. They're, they're not taking that risk of just having electric only. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, you see a lot of those. You see a lot of those as well. Not so much, though, in the... The marketing of the car brands is really focused on the full electrics. You see a huge industrial push that way. Yeah. But the sales, you see an awful lot of of hybrids as well. As you say, trying to bridge that gap, trying to be a, a foot, put, put one foot in or in direction. And for those, there is that big hesitancy feeling. I know it myself. I experienced it myself when I got our first electric car. You are nervous of, you know, they're an expensive, it's an expensive thing to buy there are a lot of money in an electric car um, and so you're always nervous of making that big investment you're like oh what if, it's, what if it's a bad choice so it's kind of a nice you know you see a lot of hybrids for people they can just almost like dip their toe in yeah. the water but then you do find people kind of almost kind of rolling on if you know what I mean moving up to go okay actually the electric part of the hybrid is, is brilliant and I'm very very happy with it and it almost gives people the confidence next time round to, to move up to full electric which is hopefully the way forwards and the way the, the, way the world's mo- moving you know yeah, I think it, 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 as long as we can make sure we, we have a network of charging points, like I saw yesterday in one of the English papers, somebody had had electric mini, and they uh, normally they would charge it, there's various charging points around the country, where, the, where they were going wasn't working, they had to park and get the car charged in their local Starbucks. So it was That's good a great to place. Starbucks. That's a great place to charge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I have to say, actually, I tip my hat that, that, that over here, like Ireland's charging infrastructure has been, is excellent in my yeah. experience. You know, I'd say it's very, very good. It's very good in every regard. Like you've got the super high speed chargers on the motorways, which are 
mind-boggling amounts of power those things put out. They're unbelievable. All the way through to all your small little kind of villages will have some form of charger and you can be in you know, Lynch in County Clare or yeah. you can be down in Kenmare in Kerry and places like this and there's chargers there. They are around and they generally are very good in terms of reliability and stuff like this. I've never I've never had any problems in all my years in, in Ireland. The charging's always just run like clockwork. The only time I I, I, ne- I, ever, <laughs> I ever nearly came unstuck in the electric car was when I was on holiday in France and we went there and rolled up to a charger and it was everything was in French and I couldn't get I couldn't manage to kind of get the sign up, the download of the app and things like this, sometimes yeah. in other places. It's almost like the technology, the charge is there, charge is working. I just can't, I can't work out in French. I had to download the wrong, wrong app and that left me a little, uh, what's the word, a little nervous. It took us a few different journeys to a few different places before we found one that we could actually get working and good, by which time we were on the uh, electrical equivalent of fumes. But yeah, we yeah. made it. Thankfully, I didn't have to take the wire to Starbucks. It was all good. Um, but I have to say that organization but in um, in Ireland actually I have to say the the infrastructure is good and there's there's new EU rules coming out as well which are starting to roll out where um, at the moment for example people like Tesla they build their own chargers and say you can only plug in yeah. if you have a Tesla other brands are not allowed here and the EU is trying to change that to try and say all chargers are for all people which will suddenly expand the range of chargers yeah which is great. Now, it's not fully rolled out at the moment. There's, you know, and again, come back to the Tesla one. There's just certain Tesla stations where they're allowing non-Tesla cars to charge. And unfortunately, there's none of those in Ireland yet. The Ireland ones are still Tesla only. But that move is coming. And really, it's that type of change that will be another another step up as they, as they roll out to accessibility and, 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 and ease for all, you know? Well, to me, it's like, basically, if you get a mobile phone and you want to get a quick charge, you plug in for like 20 minutes, half an hour, and you might get to 80% of your, on your phone. Mm. But these charging points, you can go prior to it and leave it there for half an hour and get a coffee, because you then come back and you, you get 80% of charge to go on your journey, which is great. Oh, yeah. On the, it really depends where you are. As I say, if you're in a little village, no, you'll have kind of smaller, more charges you leave in for a good few hours. But on the motorway, you have that exact thing where by the time you've had a sandwich and a coffee, you can have added it to 300, 350 kilometers of range onto your car, you know? Yeah. Uh, the power they can put out is, as I say, is incredible. And really, in a country the size of Ireland, you kind of run out of places to go. Like, our, our car's got 450 kilometers of range, you know? So I can get from Cork to Belfast without charging, if I so desire, if you yeah. know what I mean. So really... You don't need that many charges before you're, uh, you've hit the other end and you're coming back again, you know? Because I remember years ago when you were in a car, you're always thinking, can I go that distance further before it goes towards the E? And now yeah, you're suddenly, yeah. you're getting with this. It's like basically when you get your mobile phone, when a battery goes below a certain percent level, you're thinking, how long is it going to last? We'll yeah. have to go and charge yeah, it And you do get, that's one thing, you do get a bit more nervous, a bit yeah. more hot under the collar there, thinking, oh, I better not run out. Otherwise, I'll be like that poor person outside Starbucks with their extension cable. Yeah, or you're thinking... It's going to power. Yeah, because uh, you're thinking, well, I can't go to a petrol station and, and just fill up, fill up a, 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 a can of petrol and bring it back to the car. I have to go and buy <laughs> yeah. multi-carousel batteries. Yeah, can I get a big load of AA batteries and walk back to the car? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that'll quite do it. Yeah, yeah. No, that's the one thing that I'm, I'm thinking. You're going to find that the range is going to be the thing. It's always like, you're always... And light out years ago, when I first got, got into mobile phones, you'd be sitting there going, how long is the phone going to last? And it suddenly calls for two minutes. Whoosh, 
Actually goes right down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny though. It's um, really interesting when I talk to people, people that both have electric cars and don't. Is yeah, that that kind of you know uh, they, they call it range anxiety, yeah. that type of you know fear. Oh, what am I going to do about charging and stuff like this? It's very prevalent in people who have not tried an electric car. But in my experience, when I chat to other people, as soon as you get one, it instantly just becomes normal. Just yeah. having it, it's just a car like any other. People are like, are you worried about running out of power? And I'm like, well, no, but I wasn't worried in my pet one either you know it was no different now you get a petrol one i've got to keep an eye on the gauge and when it gets low i've got to go and fill it up and that's just the way you live your life you know petrol cars need filling up and electric cars need plugging in and in a way you have that one slight benefit with the petrol with the so with the electrics that there's electricity everywhere i know that sounds funny but like i was on holiday way out in the back of beyond Kerry. i like you know uh stay in a little holiday cottage down there and i could just take my plug and just plug in and the holiday cottage got some friends that we were with they had to drive I think it was uh, 30 kilometres to the nearest petrol station to fill up with petrol you know because electricity is everywhere so yeah, it's not too bad but really a lot of it is just it's making as with all new kind of technology shifts it's making that big making that big jump and you see it with everything you see it with things I remember with smartphones you know the old kind of almost jokey stereotyping like what's well, not a Nokia I mean I can't use it if it's, if it's not a Nokia. You get this kind of fear of change. Yeah. But then, of course, as soon as you do change, you can, you, can, you can never imagine going back, you know, and then life becomes, life becomes normal and oh, yeah, off you go, you know. About anxiety rain, you're not going to be sitting in a scenario where you're thinking, I've got to turn off the radio, turn, turn off everything electric for the bare minimum to keep me to the next. Like when you're on your phone, you turn everything off. <laughs> yeah, can I stress yeah, that? Yeah. Can I turn the radio down and stop using power? Yeah, yeah no, it's not, too, it's not too bad, thankfully. Uh, but where, where, where I am quite interested as well is, is that the connection between solar and EVs, and that's yeah. a big thing with the technology that's rolling out. It's really, really good, really interesting, because as I say, generally with your solar, in the, in the summer you produce a lot more power. Yeah. Most people produce a lot more power than they can use. But also, your own, you as a you know, home user are actually surprisingly kind of spiky, up and down in terms of the usage patterns, you know. When you're just sitting there and you've got, you know, your, your fridge ticking along and a few lights on and stuff like this, you're really not using much power, you're just ticking along a bit of electricity. Yeah. And then if you suddenly, you know, turn the oven on and boil the kettle, you might be using eight times the amount of electricity. Just for that period, they use loads of power when you flick the kettle, and as soon as the kettle boils, boom, you drop down again. Or if you go clink on the electric shower, turn on and use loads of power. So you tend to go very up and very down. So even if, imagine you had a day where you used... 20 units of electricity and your solar panels produce 20 units of electricity they don't always match up you know because you'll use your 20 units in a very very short compressed time whereas the solar just produces nice steady power the whole time so now you can get uh, with the EVs it's very very good with the chargers they'll work in like solar panel overflow mode because they've got such big batteries and they will just absorb all that extra power that you don't need so it's not wasted you're not pushing it out to the grid and it works really really well as a system that as you just have a special button effect that you press on your car charger that says, hey, don't normally charge, but if there's any spare from the solar panels, feed it into the car battery. And you just leave your car there and it just sucks up all that spare power. It's a really good, really good, such a kind of, you know, genius piece of technology. You know, it works It works really, really well. Yeah, I saw recently this great joke about a guy who's basically homeless. And he goes, recently homeless, and said, uh, I, got in, I got into debt. And he goes, what did you do? I left the immersion on. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's mad at the moment. It's absolutely mad. Like yeah, when yeah, I was quite... a kid, you go away. You go away for maybe a drive to visit relatives about two hours away, and you'd be driving the car, and, and your mum would be going, 
to leave the merchant, to leave the gas on. So you have to go back to the house, turn it off. And nowadays, back then, that wouldn't be an issue. But right now, if you do that, your your bill will, will cost so much. Oh, the price, the, the price change, the rate of price change in, you know, electricity and gas is, is quite spectacular at the moment. And the other thing I think is interesting and also driving the move to kind of, you know, domestic production of electricity is you know where the end is, if you know what I mean. Yeah. All we know is we've got these next price rises coming and there's nothing on the horizon of ever going the other way, you know. It's only, uh, the, you know, your, your, your electricity bills and gas bills look like they're only going one way. And it's the other thing as well, this kind of, I suppose, reliance on foreign energy as the base source has been such a big move against that yeah. and Ireland is a is actually you know climate wise an amazing place to generate renewable energy primarily wind we've got infinite supply yeah. of, of, of wind we're one of the in a way luckiest places in the world for generating renewable energy you've got wind you've got plenty of rain although I understand you know with hydro is kind of what's the word it has its ecological serious ecological yeah. downsides of hydro but there's still lots of water there and finally solar works very very well here very very well here as well so we are lucky and you see this big move I've, with the uh, engineers for drones business we're quite involved in wind as well because drones are genius for that you know it used to be back in the day that some poor unfortunate technician got sent all the way up there on his abseiling ropes and to abseil down the blade to go and check for damage and you know things like this you know, you'd expect the wind turbine to last 20 25 years yeah. that's a long span you need to you know you need to be checking the blades um but nowadays we get up there and you use drones and from a fraction of the time up and down and you see all sorts of interesting things it's very 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 interesting one but we see because of that again the growth the growth in wind it's really it's really moving if you know i mean we are uh, in this transition to renewables the whole world is on we're uh, we're very fortunate, I suppose, living here in Ireland. Yeah, and when you're talking about the price going up, I just saw this morning they were saying that in the in the UK, if you're a page you go customer, you got a meter you put in, it's seven hundred quid a month from next January for electricity. By God, that's a lot of money, isn't yeah. it? And if you're that really is a lot of money. There's going to be an awful lot of people struggling with that. Right? Yeah, and if you're paying page you go, that's because you haven't got much money. So you're already a poor person as it is. So when you got this coming in, that's something to quit a month, and that to me is scary. And I'm thinking, if that anything like that comes into Ireland, which could happen, you just wouldn't know. That's really going to scare us into more, going to going to more solar panel and other ways of of energy. Because how how, how much can we give? Yeah, 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 yeah. You really feel for people who are trapped in those energy poverty situations and especially the the lack of light at the end of the tunnel for that and i have to say it is it is driving you can really feel it we can feel it from our end this big drive towards solar and you can really feel it as a push but as i was saying one of the challenges that ireland and all countries are having is the the appetite is there for solar people want it but it's the original manufacturer of the panels it's, it's just trying to get trying to get enough kit into the country you know uh, thankfully we're okay uh, at the moment but I know a lot who are who are not if you know what I mean you have to plan ahead as a company like us and make sure we've got good stocks and we're well ready to go because you can't just grab them off the shelf always as you need so there's that issue and the other issue in a way a bigger issue is the tradespeople to to install them it's one thing saying everybody wants solar and everybody's happy to pay for solar and there's lovely grants right let's go but do we have the electricians do we have the joiners do we have the actual people to, to physically to physically fit you know uh, construction is booming anyway it's huge competition for those people's services so it's interesting because you do hear like it's all the government had for their 2030 target 
they had dramatically increased the amount of solar they want in the energy mix by 2030. It was some huge number, was it five and a half gigawatts yeah. or something? Something something massive. It was a huge jump. They were like doubling, trebling, something that that order. They were really doing it. And I couldn't help but think in my head, well, firstly, that's great to have these ambitious targets. But we need the people, you know, we need the, you know, we need, we need the staff, we need the trained, skilled people here who can actually fit these, fit these things. And we need to get the, the whole supply ramped up because say we're not the only country in the world who are making it, who are moving that, that same direction, you know. See, what scares me is you got the government making these plans and they're saying by 2030. Now, this government knows that they might be in again next, next time I can vote it out in the next couple of years. So they're thinking, next government, that's your job to do this. Not ours. Kick the ball yes. down the road. And you got the scenario where they're just saying, in 2030, we're going to have more electric cars on the road than petrol cars. I'm thinking, that's great. But, you know, infrastructure isn't there in place to sell it and give grants available. And you said earlier about getting people to install these, they aren't there. That's because they're waiting for the next government to, to plan for that. Yeah, somewhere it might be someone else's problem by the time it comes around. Yeah, eh? yeah we will, we will, we will see. But to be fair, the industry itself is really ramping up. But there are there are challenges. Basically, there are challenges out there to meet to meet the demand. And some of them within Ireland are within our control. Let's say people like the SAI are doing a great job with the grants, the financial supports, helping homeowners yeah. to try and bring it down. It's come another level of affordability compared to a few years ago. Now, now, now we're getting to that kind of five-year payback type type period we're getting into the realms of affordability for a wider and wider proportion of the population which is great to see you know it's no longer purely it's no longer you know uh, it's no longer just for very rich people you know it's coming it's really coming down and becoming much more kind of mainstream affordability which is great which is great to see uh, so there are aspects that go in the right way and the ambitious targets are there but one of the challenges same like we're talking about with electric cars it's just the pure manufacturers can all business industry can we get the staff can you get everything to to scale up to meet to meet those targets well to me it's like broadband 20 years ago broadband was a was a rich man's toy now everyone's yeah. broadband so it's gonna be like that in 20 years time we'll be looking back going i can't believe once we're worried about when we get some pounds will we get get them being installed like 20 years ago you were looking and uh, you're lucky if you got two or three megabyte download speed. Now I'm getting half a gig download speeds. Oh, yeah, it'll just, it will just be normal. And we feel that already in kind of new builds and stuff like this, that it is just standard, you know. You don't, I mean, if you take, for example, heat pumps, you know, you don't get that many new builds these days that don't have a heat pump. You know, yeah. it's just kind of, it's the standard, it's the way forward, the world has, the world has changed, which is, which me, myself, my own eco-warrior part it's great to see, you know, it's great to see. Because about 23 years ago, when you're getting the house built, you'd also get it put in their phone line. Nowadays, you don't need a phone line anymore because you can get broadband another way, so why would we want a phone line? Yeah, 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 yeah. We see all that technology. It's interesting. I was talking about the uh, the travel businesses. We have um, another one where I work on out there. It's a lot called Heyday Chalet, which is it's out in the French Alps. It's, um, uh, how would you describe it? Um it's like almost a, a remote worker's destination. Yeah. So, and imagine you you're, you work in IT or you're an architect or you're kind of a creative designer or anything like that. Anyone like that who's kind of, you know, works from a laptop and is fairly flexible. A lot of people like that like to kind of move around and say, you know what, I might live in Dublin for 11 months yeah. a year, but for one month a year, I'm going to do this from somewhere else, from an amazing, almost holiday-esque type location. So we've got one of those 
is out in the French Alps, so people will, you know, do a mixture of work and mountain biking and hiking and all these type of amazing things in the summer, and in winter there's lots of skiing and all this type of snow sport stuff going on. And it's interesting out there, just come back to your, 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 your internet thing, how all that lot's ramping up, and even though we're in the, you know, what seems like the middle of pristine Alps, you know, we're there with our Starlink internet. Yeah. <laughs> sitting, out, sitting outside the chalet getting mind-boggling download speeds everyone could be sitting in the middle of nowhere whilst working away at full for full blast it's amazing how this technology just it makes it accessible it means you can do so much more now as it all uh, as it all rolls out and it does make you think with things like yeah no need to put in phone lines and maybe even no need to put in hardwired broadband now all the satellite is coming out at such at such pace well three years ago i interviewed a guy who does uh help desk for, for, for companies, mainly a lot of companies in America and Las Vegas, and he helps them with their IT problems. And he'd actually travel around the world remotely in, the, in his Land Rover. He had a satellite dish on the roof. And he, okay. And he would run the company from that. He'd be in Argentina maybe talking to somebody. And, he, and uh, hi, this is, this is Joe Blog from a casino in, Vegas, in, in Las Vegas. We've got this problem here. Sure, we'll yeah. help you with that. And he'd be doing that. And when I was speaking to him at the time, he was talking to me from his, uh, he had a, Kind of mini castle near Croatia, top of a hill. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm working for at the moment. But I can work anywhere in the world. I've got technology, I've got the dish, I can drive them around, around over and do this. Whereas 20 years ago, to do that, you have to be in an office, not remotely. And he's doing all this and thinking, this is crazy. But it, that's the future. It is. It's really interesting. There's almost this whole subculture of uh, digital nomads. Yeah. Is a lot, you know, one of the terms that people use almost to describe themselves. And it used to be, like your, your, your friend you're talking about there, quite, really quite niche, quite yeah. unusual. And suddenly, it's almost through the change of COVID, because through COVID, everyone's suddenly been allowed to work remotely. Yeah. So and a lot of people have gone, well, I can work in the back bedroom of my three-bed semi-D, or I can go, you know, I can go to Tenerife. Or I can go out to Thailand, or I can go out like we do out to the French Alps with Heyday Chalet and, and, and stuff like this. That you can go anywhere in the world. So suddenly, why do I need to sit in my suburban yeah. house to work? You know, for that is that kind of younger generation. It's those that are you know before you, know, you get a lot who are kind of you know twenties, thirties yeah. before they've kind of got you know family commitments and schools and all this type of thing. This huge thing because there's so many workers really. It's you know they're they're laughing. Drivers, it's just me and my, my laptop, and I can work away. So yeah, there's big influx. It's really, really interesting to see, and it's interesting to see all the different businesses popping up all over the world, offering services for these. They're just really appealing. So it's this great big growth trend, and you get everything from the uh, you know kind of the, the cool hip city center locations. I can go and spend a, you know a few months doing this from Berlin, and then a few months doing it from Amsterdam, wherever I like. To places like we do, which is kind of like the activity, the activity for people who are a lot more who want that active outdoor lifestyle where I want to work but when I'm not working I want to be mountain biking and I want to be whitewater rafting and all these type of things with this whole community of people that do it it's really interesting when you, when you meet these people and you all they all come from different parts of the world and they all come from different backgrounds and they've all got different stories and their favourite top tips about oh once you've done your time here I know there's an amazing place that's here or there or the other in the next one to go in this kind of culture of digital nomads so it's, a, it's really interesting to see how work and such a, such a big push due to the due to COVID, that how work has suddenly, suddenly changed and people have this freedom now to be to be anywhere in the world. But at times, as you say, people don't even know. People have no idea where you are in the world. But yeah, you, you could be anywhere, asking, yeah. Asking now where you're based, I go wherever there's broadband. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Doesn't matter years but ago, today I'm here, but tomorrow it'll yeah, be a different Years answer. ago it would be the scenario, if you weren't in the fixed office space, I would work and contact you. And they would want physical address. Nowadays, because of the way we can work in there remotely anywhere, doesn't matter. It's like Martini ain't timing the place anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's really, 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 really interesting. Oh, there's a, there's a, there's pros and there's pros and cons. I'll be really to see how it works out. Because of course, for for us in this part of the world, in a uh, a high price point yeah. part of the world in terms of employees, you know, suddenly international competition for labour has suddenly gone up. I find that you know my own, my own, you know, I'm obviously involved in a lot of different different businesses, and when we put up job ads beforehand, I get applications from people living in the locality. Now, I get loads of job ads, even if I say, oh, this is a job and, you you know, we've got an office in Cork, so you need to be able to pop into the office in Cork every now and again, you need to be in this neck of the woods. And I get people from the other side of the planet applying anyway, saying, listen, I can't come to your office in Cork, but I've seen your job and I really like it. I am based in wherever it is on the other side of the planet, but can, can I apply anyway, please? Yeah. You've suddenly got a lot more competition, a lot more global global reach, great, because you've got a bigger talent pool to pick from, but we also need to be very, very conscious about, you know, for employment for younger generations come through in, in Ireland, there is there is the work there, you know, they're not getting out-competed by cheaper places. Yeah, and I guess, before we finish the, of the podcast, anything else you want to add, or do you think you've, you've said enough? Oh, I, I probably filled, I filled an awful lot of stuff. No, not really. Apart from thanks very much for for getting in touch for, for having me on. It's been great to great yeah. to have a chat chat about the future and the way it's all going. It's really it's really interesting times to be involved in solar. Really different challenges. Really interesting challenges. But yeah, so far so good. Happy out and it's uh, yeah. I suppose my inner entrepreneur. I'm really enjoying being back at the coal face. You know, yeah. we all have as entrepreneurs. You all have that that itch that that you want to say. Okay, right. These businesses are all going well, but. Do I still have it in me to get get another one going from from just an idea from, from nothing, no reputation, no anything? Can we just go again? And yeah, so far Pure Vault's flying along. So I've been very lucky. Mostly, uh, I, I can't take any of the credit. I've got a very very good team, and they're uh, they're absolutely flying along. So happy out. So All thank right, you, thank you very much. No problem. It was it was great to hear an, uh, an entrepreneur like yourself that has been involved in many areas. Showing you that you can still be done, and you've still got the drive fill to do this because that's an important thing. Oh, the enthusiasm. That's what it's about. I yeah. have to say, that's what it's about. Like I do a fair bit of, I suppose, mentoring of new business startups and things like this, and lots of various schemes there. And that's always one thing I do say when I'm chatting to people. That um, what's the word? However hard you think it's going to be, however many hours you think it's going to take, you need to at least double that. It's always a lot more there. Yeah. You need to have that drive, that enthusiasm. So yeah, I've, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it. I have to say. Thanks so much for that, Phil. Cheers. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Irish underscore tech news. On Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Irish Tech News. On LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Irish dash tech dash news. On Instagram, instagram.com forward slash irishtechnews.ie. And on TikTok, tiktok.com forward slash at irishtechnews.